This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective. Well, this coronavirus has revealed to the American public that our leaders have allowed communist China to capture the manufacturer of our life-saving medicines, including such basic things as antibiotics. Now we find ourselves dependent on the same communist dictatorship that caused the current pandemic for the drugs we need to treat it. Rosemary Gibson is an award-winning author and advisor to organizations that advance the public's interest in health care and an editor at the Journal of American Medicine. She's authored four books, including her new book, China Rx, Exposing the Risks of America's Dependence on China. You can find all of her books on Amazon, and you can find her online at rosemarygibson.org. Rosemary, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Jim. So you've been raising the alarm for years. No one would listen. Tell us how and why our leaders allowed China to capture such a strategically important industry like pharmaceuticals. Well, I predicted this uh, current situation, Jim, in China RX two years ago. And I just went back to look at the preface where I said, in the event of a natural disaster or global pandemic, if China shuts the door on exports, the United States will be waiting in line with other countries for critical medicines. And here we are. Well, in the meantime, and- China has, uh, has been shipping us lots of fentanyl that has caused a, uh, you know, an opioid uh, a disaster in our country with uh, tens of thousands of deaths every year. And, and now we find ourselves relying on the same communist nation to provide us with our life-saving drugs as well. That's a, that's a malfeasance on beha- behalf of our political and economic leaders that is just breathtaking. Uh, I think we knew that, uh, you know, much of our consumer goods had been offshored to China, but uh, it's almost uh, you can't hardly wrap your head around the fact that uh, we would allow a, uh, a malign actor like a uh, communist China to capture this industry. Can you t- give us an idea on how this happened? Uh, were they engaged in predatory, um, you know, pricing and and uh, and just captured this industry, or is it just simply a case of bad decisions? Uh, well, it's. Uh a real plan on the part of China to become the global pharmacy to the world. And when I was working, it took three years to under, to figure this out about how dependent we are because this has been hidden from all of us. And the turning point, Jim, was when we opened up free trade with China in 2000 and China joined the WTO the following year. So I was sitting in my office where I was Um, where I am right now, and I had this moment of awakening and realizing within two or three years of 
that that's when we lost our last penicillin plant. Unbelievable. Our, our last aspirin plant. We cannot make aspirin in the United States. People don't realize what a life-saving drug aspirin is for, you know, keeping uh, fever down. Uh, and we can't make vitamin C. And that's where what I could easily find. And that's when the landslide began of the outsourcing of what the core chemicals and the and the key ingredients to make our medicines. And how did it happen? You're exactly right about the predatory pricing. I have, you know, the data that show that we lost penicillin capability when China in 2004 dumped it on the global market at below market prices. They kept that price low for four years and drove out most of their competitors in the U.S. and other countries. And then they raised the price once they got global dominant market share. That's the playbook. Sort of reminds you of self-serve gas stations. You know, they lowered the price to begin with until you got used to it, and then they jacked it right back up. But now we're without this critical uh, sector in our economy. I believe most of those uh, those pharmaceuticals used to be manufactured in Puerto Rico. All of those factories were packed up and shipped over to China. And now, you know, Puerto Rico is in the position of declaring bankruptcy. Well, even before that, we were making, in the 1980s, we were making these core chemicals and ingredients right here in the United States. United States, Europe, Japan, we accounted for 80% of the production. And Puerto Rico wasn't making those key starting materials. That's the difference. Puerto Rico was making the finished drugs, make, making the active ingredients, but the core chemicals, that's, that's a different beast. We were making all, most of that here in this country, and we lost it. And our manufacturing basis collapsed. It, and this is for medicine. These are things we need for our survival. Well, if there is a silver lining to this current crisis, maybe it's uh, pulling the blinders off of people on just how uh, vulnerable we have become to a communist dictatorship that is uh, bound and determined to uh, surplant us on the on the world stage. And now we see that our leaders in uh, in Congress are starting to stir. Recently, Marsha Blackburn has introduced a bill to bring back uh, medicine manufacturing. Here's a clip. I got a new piece of legislation filed yesterday. It's the SAMC bill, Securing America's Medicine Cabinet. This is going to help bring new technologies and also bring drug manufacturing back to the U.S. Uh, pleased to have Senator Menendez as my lead co-sponsor on this. We're working together to secure our nation's drug supply. And we know that uh, Senator uh, Cotton of Arkansas and also um, Hawley of Missouri are are pushing uh, these bills. Uh, do you think uh, that, that these efforts are going to be successful, or are there strong lobbies lobbies in uh, in Washington that are going to fight this? Well, there's a draft executive order that uh, is waiting uh, to be signed, and that would in many ways take the next step from what's been proposed, and that is it would require the Department of Defense, the VA, and Health and Human Services, which procure a lot of medicines, to buy American. And so all the bills in Congress are a good start, but the money has to flow. You know, if you and I start up a business, we want to make generic drugs here, we need contracts. We need to know who's going to buy them. And so 
that's how we we have to unleash the the money that taxpayers are spending, and that money's going to China to support their growth of their generic industry. We have to have that money come here to support the development and production of critical drugs right here in the United States. And that's what's missing. And the executive order is still there, and its fate, frankly, is uncertain. And it's remarkable that there are special interests in Washington that want our country, to, by their pushing for inaction, to continue to remain dependent on a country that has threatened us, has threatened to withhold medicines. Yeah, there's uh, there's there, there, there have been government yeah. officials writing in uh, official state media in China that uh, you know if the United States got too robust in its uh, its reaction to this this virus and tried to bring back our manufacturing and our pharmaceutical industry, that uh, they could respond by uh, withholding life saving drugs from us. And if that doesn't tell you everything you need to know about their intentions and and their uh, their posture toward the United States, and you're you're just not paying attention. What's especially maddening about this issue is that a lot of these drugs that we've offshored the manufacturing of to China were developed in American universities and R and D labs, uh, paid for by hundreds of millions of dollars of taxpayer investment. So we we spend the money to develop these drugs, and then we we offshore the economic benefit to China. I mean, it's almost as if we have people making decisions that uh, that do not have America's best interest at heart. Well, it's um, I think it'd be uh, great to see these people, folks that are promoting, you know, let's keep it in China and let's not buy American to come out on radio shows across America and defend that, or to testify in the Senate. You know that threat that was made by the Chinese government. When you're dealing with medicines to withhold them, that's a threat to kill people because people will die. Nothing less. And as I said, that's the same China that allows the manufacture and uh, and exportation of fentanyl that has been a a killer of many hundreds of thousands of people at this point, uh, up to 70,000 people a year. So while I've got you, I know you're a keen observer of the healthcare system and all of the issues there. Can you tell us whether or not these uh, these stories we're seeing about the the possible breakdown of our uh, of our healthcare system being you know over overwhelmed by this virus is that real news or is that uh, media uh, hyperbole? Well, in in places where there is a a surge in cases, you know, our hospitals are designed to have some surge capacity. But when you have a substantial number of people all at once getting sick and needing intensive care, that can create problems. I will say about the shortages of masks and ventilators, um, one of the reasons we had a shortage of ventilators is because China stopped shipping the circuit boards to make them. The other thing that we've learned is that there were... um, companies making masks they were available here in warehouses and they were being sold to the highest bidder and they were being sold to foreign buyers this was early on so uh there needs to be a close look at who was selling these masks when we needed them and who was buying them and that's why the the, uh, the uk set up an export ban 
they said that companies, if you bought product for the United Kingdom, you cannot turn around and sell it for a higher price that you get from somebody else. You have to keep that product in the United Kingdom. So we also know that uh, Chinese investors have bought into the American healthcare system and own huge stakes in American hospitals and clinics. Uh, over in Australia, we saw that um, one of their big investors, Chinese investors, uh, pulled out and shut down 34 separate hospitals at the peak of this crisis. Is that something that could come to the United States? Oh, I think it's clear that China wants to infiltrate our healthcare system. And you know, we have a Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States that's supposed to be there to protect um, the United States from investments that would harm our economy and way of life. And we might want to think about uh, restrictions on um, foreign investors, especially Chinese investors, in our healthcare system. You know, Rosemary, yeah, yeah. I was just going to Go say, in, in the Cold War, anybody that had intertwined our economy with the communist Soviet Union would have been, you know, rightly seen as someone that was betraying the nation. And it, it just astounds me that uh, we've pushed forward with this globalism to the point that uh, we're integrating a, uh, you know, a, a communist dictatorship. And, uh, and this has been happening for years and years. And I guess I'd ask you if you think that this, uh, this current crisis is going to drop the blinders from people's eyes and if we're going to start getting back to, uh, to you know, domestic supply chains and taking care of our own people. We'll see supply chains come back here if the situation gets so bad. Might have to get a lot worse to convince companies to pull out of China. But bear in mind that there are companies that want to sell branded high-cost generics and uh, high-cost branded drugs, the new drugs, in China, and the Chinese government wants that. And so there's huge incentive for them to want to please the Chinese government to uh, get in there and sell their product. That dynamic is not going to go away. I'm concerned that while they're doing that, they're throwing 90% of our medicines, the generics, under the bus and pushing production there to China to help it achieve its global aim to become the pharmacy to the world. So uh, it's really unclear about our medicine situation. It, it's really striking that there are special interests fighting against having the Department of Defense purchase medicines made in the United States. Stunning, really. Given the, given the national security concerns, and also for our veterans and for the Health and Human Services stockpile. At the same time, on a positive note, there are some very fine people and uh, typically smaller companies that want to come in and fill this void, make product here for our military veterans. And the federal government just has to turn on the spigot and... Um, have them be part of the supply chain. Well, one of those emerging companies is uh, Bright Path Labs, and they're uh, they're gearing up to start manufacturing uh, this hydroxychloroquine uh, in this country. Here's a clip from one of their spokesmen. This crisis has exposed our dependency on the outside world to get life-saving medicines. 80% of U.S. drug components are coming from China and India, and India one of the top producers of hydroxychloroquine banned its exports last week. So unless we bring back medicine independence to our country, this is going to continue to be a problem, not just for COVID-19, but also for other 
uh, crisis that we may have ahead. We have to. So I just wanted to ask you if you've got any insights on uh, whether or not this uh, this chloroquine and the Z-Packs, ethromycin and, and zinc, um, will uh, come online quickly enough to uh, to staunch this crisis, and will we have the supplies available to us if that is the case? Well, I, I can say that people are working very hard, twenty four seven, to get product uh, to uh, doctors and hospitals. But do we manufacture? Uh, it is being made. It is uh, being made here in the United States, and uh, uh, we just have to ramp up quickly and get it to where it's needed, and make sure that we do, are not exporting any to other countries. A lot of these factories uh, where these these uh, products were formerly produced uh, have been shut down and mothballed. Uh, do we still have the capacity to to ramp up quickly enough? Uh, to to meet this challenge, or is that uh, are we just um, going to have to muddle through this whole crisis? Uh, there is some uh, plants that are uh, being turned on for this, but you make a good point. We've got to make sure we preserve whatever manufacturing base we have left, and not let them be torn down. That's where we're headed without investment. China already has the market share of ten percent of our generic drugs. And that's just in a decade, and they're going to increase that. So we have to make sure that we have some ability to make critical drugs because the next coronavirus or whatever hits the fan a few years from now, what, where we're making the hydroxychloroquine, it could be gone here, those plants. And we'll be left with very little capability. We can't let that happen. Rosemary Gibson is an award-winning author and advisor to uh, public health interests in healthcare. She's author of four books, including her new book, China Rx, Exposing the Risk of America's Dependence on China. You can find all of her books on Amazon, and you can find Rosemary online at rosemarygibson.org, and she's on Twitter at rosemary100. That's rosemary100. Rosemary, thanks you so much for joining us. I hope you'll come back and talk to us again. Well, thank you, Jim, and I appreciate your readers taking a look at China RX. We wrote it in the public interest. No one paid us to do it. People would pay us not to do it. And it's out there to, for us to come together and fix this problem on behalf of all Americans. Thank you for all you do. Thank you, Jim. Mojo. Are you from California, Illinois, New York, Georgia, or any of the other 39 states that charge state income tax? Does your state claim you owe them any amount of back taxes? Or have you not filed in years? Is your heart pounding because you know they're wrong or you just don't have the money? Don't fight the state income tax board alone. The tax doctor is here to help you. The state is much more aggressive than the IRS in collecting taxes. They have the power to take your home, your car, your driver's and business licenses, even garnish your wages, freeze your bank accounts, and go after your spouse. Solve all your income tax problems permanently and keep more of your hard-earned money. Make this 100% guaranteed risk-free call right now. 800-631-9241. 800-631-9241. That's 800-631-9241. Mojo. 
when the weather outside is frightful. The Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word? Delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details.